Good morning, everyone. This is Belize, and welcome to The Menu on UCLAradio.com, a show about food culture and everything food in Los Angeles. Today, we have a very special guest with us for an interview. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm Zach Brooks, the general manager of Smorgasburg here in Los Angeles. Uh, so Smorgasburg is the largest weekly uh, open-air food market um, in America with uh, markets in New York and Los Angeles. And do you have markets anywhere else? Yeah, we've got a market in D.C. now. And then we oh. do like pop-up markets, like like annual things in Japan, Brazil. Wow. Uh, I'm probably missing one or two other ones. But I just run the, the one here mm-hmm. in L.A. Yeah, and it's every Sunday from... 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that's right. You um, are not wrong. Yes, at Roe, downtown L.A. Yeah. Um, so we always have this segment where we start our conversation with something that you had um, and really liked this week. So um, I went to Osterio Moza for the first time ever, um, which is pretty late, to be honest. I was pretty late to. You feel embarrassed. Do you feel I, embarrassed that it took you so long? <laughs> I do. Have, have I you do. been to the pizzeria at least, or no. any? Or this was your first. It was, it was your my first, first Moza experience. It was. It was, and I have to say, it was amazing. Um, I had the spaghetti with um, tomato sauce, and the tomatoes were so fresh and sweet, and everything was so perfect yet simple in that pasta, um, I left there a happy um, customer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also had the shaved Brussels sprouts with candied almonds. And that doesn't sound bad. Yeah, they yeah, were like, also pretty fresh and good. I mean, candied nuts make everything taste good. It's true. It's true. It adds a nice little crunch. And just in general, if you just roast nuts without anything in the oven for 10 minutes, they come out better than yeah, before. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then salt and sugar help too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about you? What did you have? Um, I, I feel like everything I've eaten is like horrible meat stuff in the past <laughs> week, which I'm embarrassed. So I'm embarrassed to talk about like, you know, the amazing veal milanese <laughs> I had on uh, Saturday night at uh, Dear John's in Culver City, which I feel like is particularly offensive to vegans, but also very <laughs> delicious. Um, and then we actually, we had our, our big Octubre Fest at Smorgasburg this past Sunday. Yeah. And, um, Pancho's Clayudas, which is, uh, one of my favorite vendors. Well, I don't play favorites. It is, (laughs) they're a great vendor that I love. Um, they, uh, they were celebrating their one year anniversary at Smorgasburg. So they had a bunch of special stuff Mm. that they had made, including, um, a, uh, a barbacoa like Mm -hmm. dish that was like one of the best things I've ever eaten. Wow. Yeah, it looked crowded on Sunday. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was fun. People, uh, people, we, I don't know, I feel like Oktoberfest is kind of played out, but we do Oktoberfest, so it's like an L.A. version <laughs> of Oktoberfest where instead of like bratwurst, we have vendors, you know, mm-hmm. we had a pop-up chorizo vendor and a pop-up longanisa vendor, which is this super delicious um, Filipino sausage. Mm-hmm. Um for people who aren't familiar with Filipino food. 
Um, and then uh, and then we bring in a bunch of like local LA beers that sort of fit, you know, mm-hmm. fit with our like Octubre Fest vibe. So like we had an, a horchata stout from a really good local Ooh. brewery, brewery and uh, stuff like that. And so it was a lot of fun. A lot of people came out. It's good. Oh, that sounds that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, and nice. It's a good time. Um, so to start off. I want to talk a little bit about, um, we'll call this the origin story, um, how you um, ended up in this job and, you know, what? how has your youth or your education? How I ended up in this yeah. job? Oh, my God. <laughs> so The year was 1994. <laughs> I was, I, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, it's a, I, I don't know how I ended up in this job. I, uh, I actually, um, I, I, uh, I mean, I went to college for nothing. I got a liberal arts degree. It's completely useless. I mean, if I can help any of you at this point, uh, it's a it bit is too late for like, me. <laughs> yeah, learn learn something, engineering or like something. Uh, liberal arts is such a waste of money. Um, but I did work at my college radio station, which I loved, and I ended up interning at a local radio station in Boston, where I went to school. And ended up getting a job in radio at a college. And so I was working in radio. But I've always loved food. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was always the one who at lunchtime would, like, drag people out at lunch to, like, go eat something. Like, I am not. I would refuse to, like, bring my lunch or, like, <laughs> eat at my desk. Um, and then so I ended up working in New York at Sirius Satellite Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I started a food blog. Uh, this was 2006. So it was kind of early days of food blogging. Yelp was around, but it wasn't that big a deal. And, um, you know, there was no Instagram. Uh, and, you know, I started a food blog called Midtown Lunch, where I was eating lunches in Midtown Manhattan, which is where <laughs> Sirius is based. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it became really popular because there's a lot of people who work in Midtown and it was a terrible place to eat lunch. <laughs> so everyone was interested in finding these weird out of the way places. Mm. And if you were willing to walk an extra two or three blocks, uh, you could find like these mm-hmm. cool little places and not have to eat it like a boring chain or a salad or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And so it became really popular and you know, eventually I quit my job in radio to do that full time. And then so I was writing about food and I moved out here. Uh, I still did the website and I hired people in New York to run it in New York. And I was freelance food writing and I had a podcast. Um, and uh, and then the Smorgasburg guys, um, you know, who I had known from living in New York, mm-hmm. they uh, reached out to me about helping them launch here in L.A. Great. That's it. I um, tried to condense it. Did it go on too long? I don't know. Yeah. Try to give it as uh, as, as short still, as possible. <laughs> there's still some stuff that I want to unpack here. Yeah, yeah. I, I have some questions. Is this going to be therapy? I'm excited. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna help me uh, deal with my issues? Um, I don't. Th- I don't think I would be good at that as a college student. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll You'd see. You'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how? Where does your love of food come from? I mean, I am, I am, I don't know, genetics. I'm a fat guy. I like to eat. I don't know. Um, I mean, I definitely, uh, I mean, growing up as a kid, you know, my mom wasn't like a great cook or anything. Um, but uh, my dad did take us out to eat a lot. Um, like we would go out 
you know, my parents were separated, so or divorced. So we, my dad would come and take us out to dinner two nights a week mm -hmm. and on the weekends. So two nights a week we would go for, um, you know, we'd go out to eat. And my dad um, was in the army, so he spent some time in Korea and Vietnam. He really liked, like, food from those countries mm -hmm. and from other places. So we would go eat, you know, Thai food and sushi and ch a lot of Chinese food or Chinese-American food. Um, and, uh, you know, so I grew up, like, going to Greek food. And then we'd go to food festivals on the weekend. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I've always, I guess I've always liked mm -hmm. doing that. That's definitely where my love of food courts come from. Mm -hmm. We used to go to food courts a lot, mm. uh, what they now call food halls. I don't know the <laughs> difference, but, um, but yeah, I think that that's probably it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite cuisine? Um, I don't discriminate against any food. I don't mm -hmm. think, um, I definitely, uh, I probably lean more towards uh, Asian countries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I love, like here in L.A., I love going out to the San Gabriel Valley. Um, you know, there's amazing Chinese food from, like, every region, like every type of Chinese cuisine represented, like, in a pretty compact area, which is incredible. I don't think there's any other place like it mm -hmm. in the country. Um, you know, Thai town, amazing, Koreatown. Yeah, um, I tend to gravitate toward that stuff, but I also eat tons of Mexican food mm -hmm. and Filipino <laughs> food. I mean, I think if I'm probably like like racist against any food, it would be like Italian food and like mm. you know French food. Like that stuff is you know, yeah, not, it's not not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. uh, the bowl of pasta you ate at Moza sounds very boring to me. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm sure it was delicious. Yeah. Um... You should tell that to Miss Nancy Silverton. I kid, I kid, Nancy Silverton. Does she listen to this show? Oh no! I hope uh, so. I love, I love Nancy Silverton. I do love Mozart. I actually love yeah. Kispaka, which is the, the right next to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like kinda. there's three mm -hmm. restaurants in the complex. There's Osteria Mozo, which is the fan, the fancy mm -hmm. sit down place, and then there's the Pizzeria, which is like pizza and salads, and then Kispaka is sort of their haven to meet. And mm. Back to the meat, so it's terrible. <laughs> it's okay. Um, uh, and there, that place is uh, is is pretty special. Like what they're doing is different than like anything you can get in LA. I feel like it's you know it's kind of like it's a it's not a steakhouse. It's Italian. It's sort of like an an Italian version of the best steakhouse kind of. Mm. Um, it's and I small should take my and, dad there. And they have really good <laughs> wine. Because uh, of mm -hmm. Joe Bastianich, who like is a co-owner in those restaurants, oh, mm -hmm. and he has his own like wine company where they import all these amazing Italian wines, oh, and they tend to amazing. be like a little cheaper than you mm -hmm. find at other restaurants because they're coming like straight from uh, the company mm -hmm. that like you know like the because yeah. they're involved in Moza mm -hmm. and so uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's I, I love I love Moza. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, so you mentioned Midtown Lunch. Yep. Is it still active? Um, no? Not really. I mean, my Instagram account is mm -hmm. still Midtown Lunch LA, which I think confuses a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's uh, ever ever since I got this job at Smorgasburg, I've sort of stopped writing. My mm -hmm. podcast is on hiatus. It is. It's a full time. It's a re it's a real job, which <laughs> is kind of difficult to get in the food mm -hmm. world. I feel like in the food media world, especially. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, and transitioning from that, from having a blog and working in food media to being the general of, um, general manager of Smartwagasport, how has that um, changed your opinions or point of view about food and the culture? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I, I talk about this a lot to, like, friends and, like, other people in the industry, how how different it is to be on the other side of things. Because when I was writing about food or posting about it on Instagram or, you know, like talking about food on a podcast, like all I cared about was how food tasted. Like I would go to a place, eat Mm -hmm. the food and be like, is this delicious? Like, is it, you know, fairly priced? And am I happy when I leave? Like, that's all you care about. Mm -hmm. Right. And I definitely like gravitated towards certain chefs and, you know, who, you know, spoke to me or certain kinds of cuisine that I really love. And my taste definitely run the gamut. But like all I cared about was just how much I like it. Now being on the other side of things and like helping to build a food market, right, where people are going to come and pay money mm-hmm. and get food in return and learning like how much goes into running a food business and how difficult it is, like things that I might have criticized restaurants for in the past, you know, um, I maybe am a little less critical of because Mm -hmm. I understand how the business works and why you have to do some of the things you have to do. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I prized in my favorite chefs, like this, like F you attitude or Mm -hmm. like I do what I want and I don't care about anybody else like that. I sort of I still care about that. And I Mm -hmm. definitely respond to that being like, you know, growing up as, you know, Gen X and sort Mm -hmm. of around like that kind of music and that kind of (laughs) attitude. I think I sort of relate to that sort of, I'm doing this for me. And if Mm -hmm. you happen to like it, great. But I think now I sort of appreciate work ethic even more. Mm -hmm. And I understand that it like having a successful business, you know, having a successful restaurant um, is, it's not just about like making great, like showing up and making Mm -hmm. great food. Like you, it, it is, really really hard work and you know i now i sort of appreciate like how much and how much hard work goes into it and the vendors who work hard who show up every week who are always there mm-hmm. like the owners of the businesses who are always there and work hard and are not just paying people to run the business for them mm-hmm. not like i now have a newfound respect for that where i feel like as a critic or an influencer or you know, mm-hmm. when you're writing about food or talking about your favorite places, you don't necessarily like think about that stuff when you're like declaring things to be great or terrible or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it kind of actually what you said kind of reminds me of Jonathan Gold because I read. That's the greatest compliment you yeah. could ever. Can we just end the interview now? That's it. Done. We can uh, we can goodbye. leave. Go home. Yeah. That's, um. <laughs> I should not remind anybody of Jonathan Gold. It's offensive to him. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. He, he is a hero. <laughs> but um, he, I read his one of his interviews recently where he talked about how to write about food. And he says, no one cares about what you think of the burrito you ate. No one cares about your opinions. They want to know what's inside the burrito. They want to know how it makes you feel. And they want to know about the people behind that burrito. That's how... Like that connection between the food and the people is what makes this culture and this industry special and important, which I completely agree. And you know what else he was great at? He was also great at letting you know if you would like the burrito. 
Mm-hmm. Like, which I think is like one of the most important things a critic can do besides tell stories, you mm-hmm. know, the way Jonathan did and shine a light on cultures that, you know, did not necessarily, you know, at, at the time that he started food writing, there were not a lot of, you know, restaurants like that being mm-hmm. written about the types of places that he championed. Like, um, and what he did such a good job of in addition to that was writing about the food in a way that everybody who read it could tell if they would like the place or not. Mm -hmm. So like his Vespertine review, which uh, was one of my favorites, which was the restaurant, the last restaurant he made number one in his Mm -hmm. list of 101 restaurants. It's the crazy, weird, artistic tasting menu, $400 restaurant in Culver (laughs) City weirdness, which I still have never been to. But you read his review, and I read the review not knowing, like, I thought, like, do I, like, can I spend this amount of money? This is mm-hmm. an insane amount of money. Like, I, like, do I, is this worth it? Like, I'm not going to just go on a whim, and I need to know if this is going to be good. And I read the review, and I was like, oh, this sounds like a place that I would like. Mm-hmm. But I know other people who read his review and were like, yeah, this sounds terrible to me. I know <laughs> that this is not the kind of restaurant for mm-hmm. me. And to me, that's what a review, it's not about whether Jonathan himself loved the restaurant or hated the restaurant. It is writing about it in a way that puts it into context in the city, you know, in the community, how it came to be, the chef, mm-hmm. like, you know, how it it fits in the food world here in L.A. and whether or not you, you know, would like it or not yeah. as a person. And coming out of the review, you, you know, like a great review will, you know, say different things to different people, I Mm -hmm. think. Exactly. I completely agree with that. Um, So let's talk a bit about Smorgasbord, your your work there. So what are your responsibilities? What do you do as a general manager? My bosses ask me this all the time. They're (laughs) like, what do you do anyway? Are Are you actually working? Um, no, I, um, yeah, what do I do? I, I mean, I, um, I mean, I, I curated the market. So, you know, I helped, uh, you know, we get tons of applications for mm-hmm. vendors who want to be there. So it's my job to, um, you know, go through the applications and, uh, and, you know, I meet with potential vendors, uh, try their food, uh, answer their questions. Um, so that's a big part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, keeping the vendor lineup fresh and, you know, um, and then uh, and then I'm there every single Sunday um, and uh, I just oversee like all of the operations. So, um, you know, we're we're constantly doing pop up events and other things. And uh, we try to help our vendors as much as we can with their business. You know, if, if they have, you know, questions mm-hmm. or need advice um, we're always looking for other places to do what we do, uh, always looking for new vendors. And then there's the marketing aspect, like, you know, making sure that mm-hmm. people are coming on Sundays. And, um, you know, we're constantly doing events like Octubre mm-hmm. Fest and things like that, pop-up event, uh, like theme events, you know, mm-hmm. where we'll have pop-up vendors come. So I'm, you know, always looking mm-hmm. to do fun stuff like that. And, yeah. Um, when you select when vendors, what goes into that thought process how do you select them um i mean it i, I don't it's um I'm like a million different things mm-hmm. um you know first and foremost it's the food like the food has to be good 
Um, and it has to be something that uh, that we don't have already. And it's also unique, uh, unique for what it is. Like, um, you know, we're not a farmer's market. Like, farmer's markets are everywhere in, mm-hmm. a, in Los Angeles. There are amazing farmer's market culture. Every neighborhood has a farmer's market where people will wander over once a week and, mm-hmm. you know, do some shopping, maybe eat a little food, but it's a very neighborhood kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not a food court like or a food hall where people are, like, eating lunch during the week, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, on their lunch break, like, where they want a salad or something. <laughs> We are a once a week, every Sunday destination market where people are going to eat something fun, like something that's worth driving across the city for. Mm -hmm. Because we're in the middle of nowhere in downtown, so there's not even really a neighborhood where people, I mean, we're sort of near the arts district, but Mm -hmm. not really. And there's not even that many people living down there. And, you know, I mean, there are people and it's getting bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger, but there's not like a ton of people. Um, and so we have to bring people from all over the city. So, you know, that's definitely when we look at new vendors, we're, we're trying to find, um, you know, we're trying to find vendors who will compel people to drive across the city, not just once, but drive across the city, eat the food, and then it's so good that it makes you want to come back and have it again. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably the most difficult thing because there is tons of, Instagrammable food out there and, you know, crap that people will post about and get tons of likes. And, you know, it creates like this big like excitement and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like this new fad. Um, But if you don't want to eat it a second time, if you just take the picture and you post it once and you get a ton of likes and then you move on to the next thing, can't build a business on that. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter how many influencers come and eat your food. Like it has to be something that people want to eat more than once. Like that people are compelled to come back and eat again. And then we really pride ourselves on being an incubator for new businesses. So most of the businesses at Smorgasburg are, you know, um, at various stages of infancy, right? We're not like mm-hmm. a greatest hits of L.A. dining, right? So like, you know, mo- like Nancy Silverton would not be there like mm-hmm. with Pizzeria Moza because if you want Moza, you can just drive to Moza and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're trying to find the next Nancy Silverton like the vendor who's going to start at Smorgasburg and then go on to like opening a restaurant or brick and mortar, which a lot of our vendors have done. Um, can you give us some examples? Yeah, actually there's one in Westwood, uh, Sip. The matcha oh. place was, they that concept started at Smorgasburg and that business Great. is actually owned by the same people who own Shrimp Daddy, which is one oh. of our most popular Smorgasburg vendors. So mm-hmm. they actually own three concepts. Shrimp Daddy was the first one. And then they launched Sip and Chichidango, which is a, um, a, uh, a, a Hawaiian shaved ice business. And then they just launched a fourth business at Smorgasburg um, doing Japanese-style chicken wings called Tepesaki. That's the name oh, of the chicken. Wow. Uh, the name of the business is called Wing Chicks. And so um, – They've start, they started all of their business at Smorgasburg, launched them at Smorgasburg, and then mm-hmm. now they're opening SIP brick and mortars. There's one in Westwood. I think there's one in San Gabriel Valley, and I think eventually Shrimp Daddy will open a brick and mortar also. So, wow, yeah, we're, like, super proud of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and do you get to try the vendor's food before you, you know, accept them? or? Yeah, no, it's actually yeah. it's a requirement. Like, oh. nobody... Nobody gets into Smorgasburg without us 
trying their food first because we we you know we feel like when we add a vendor it's mm-hmm. a big deal and we take it really seriously and so we yeah. want to make sure that um yeah we want to mm-hmm. we want to make sure it's up to up to par yeah i was just thinking because you must have getting like you must have been getting so many applications like how do you try all of that food we don't i mean we don't try the food of every application uh-huh. like i yeah. would i would be 700 pounds <laughs> Um, and I also feel like it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it would just be too much. Like we, um, if we get an application that, uh, seems right for the market and has all the elements of what we think would make a really good concept, then at that point we schedule a time to meet with the vendor, try their food. And also even equally as important, like, um, ask them questions, answer their questions, like Mm -hmm. see if it's a good fit, make sure that. They understand how the business works and make sure their expectations are, you know, for how much food they're going to sell. And, you know, it's it's really important to us to make sure that that vendors are coming into it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with the with the best possible chance of success. Yeah. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit on our way here, but you said there's a distinction between a food truck and a vendor. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to get more of that because <laughs> it, Smorgasburg, like you said, is different from a food hall or a farmer's market. But it, you guys also don't have food trucks. So yeah, and it's you di- know, what it's makes di- that different? Yeah, it's different from a food truck festival as well. Food trucks are also a thing that exist all over the city. And um, there are, you know, some good food trucks and there are also some not that great <laughs> food trucks. And mm-hmm. um, it is, I mean, I'm the food truck business is really a, a terrible business. Like, I mean, food in general is a pretty bad business. Mm -hmm. Like it is not a good, like if you're like thinking of being a chef or like opening a restaurant, you know, and it it is, it is a terrible business is not a good way to make money. Like you're much better (laughs) off, like going Mm -hmm. into banking or, you know, (laughs) like, like, you know, making food is a labor of love, selling Mm -hmm. food, the hospitality business, that is a labor of love. It is a thing you do because you love it and you have Mm -hmm. to do it. And if you do it really, really well, you can make a living. Mm-hmm. But it is not a good way to get rich, and it is very difficult. And food trucks are even more difficult, like more difficult to make money from for like a million different reasons. But the other thing is, is that food trucks are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and there are a lot of food truck festivals as well, and they're also easy because they're they're already permitted. They can park anywhere and sell food. And so a lot of events have food trucks at them. You, you mm-hmm. go to concerts or events or you know all sorts of stuff there's food trucks right it's very easy to book a bunch of food trucks and so we knew that if people walked into smorgasburg and it was just 60 food trucks it wouldn't last long because it would Mm -hmm. be just like the kind of stuff that goes on all around the city and that you know if people walked in and were like oh that's the food truck that parks outside my office on tuesdays Mm -hmm. or parks at my college or I get that every time I go to this like fest music festival. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be special enough for people to drive across the city for it. And so um, it's a lot harder for our vendors to set up booths every day than it would be. And it's a lot harder for us, too. And it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. But we feel like it is um, it's what makes what we do, you know, just that little bit more special that it needs to be mm-hmm. for people to want to drive across the city. We do have a few trucks. But the few trucks that we have, they don't look like typical food trucks. And mm-hmm. uh, there's just two or three of them and, um, you know, out of like 70 vendors. So when people 
I don't know. When people call our vendors food trucks, I'm always like, oh, I was like, they're not food trucks. <laughs> yes. They're, Sorry they're, about yeah. that. <laughs> no, it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking, continuing from that, and, you know, you mentioned how hard it is to be in this industry. So what do you, why do you think it's more attractive to have a pop-up or a stall, you know, um, rather than an actual physical restaurant? I mean, I think it's just cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, it's, you know, people not, it's very expensive to open a brick and mortar restaurant mm-hmm. and not everyone has that kind of money or access to that kind of money. And because of social media now and, um, you know, because of like the place that food occupies in our culture mm-hmm. at this moment in time, um, you know, pop ups and uh, are, they just are very easy for if you're a chef that, um, you know, has this great idea or wants to, you know, it is very easy to do that and get mm-hmm. the word out. And um, so they seem to be proliferating, you know, and then certainly things like Smorgasburg, you mm-hmm. know. But that being said, um, you know, we make a distinction between pop-ups and what we do mm-hmm. as well because, um, you know, I think when people come to Smorgasburg, you know, there's always a new vendor or some vendor that you expect to be there isn't there or whatever. So I think people tend to think that the vendors rotate, you know, Mm -hmm. or that they're not there every week. But actually the one requirement of being a vendor at Smorgasburg is you have to be there every single Sunday for as long as you're at Smorgasburg. And part of that is because it helps our business to force the vendors to be there Mm -hmm. consistently. But we also do that because we understand that being there consistently is good for your business as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a reason why the restaurant business is what it is. And that's part of the reason why food trucks are a more difficult business model. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, anybody who's ever run a restaurant understands that the key to success in the restaurant business is consistency. Being in the same place every single day, year after year, serving great food, and getting to a place where everybody knows you're there and there's enough people eating mm-hmm. at your restaurant for you to survive. If you're a food truck and you're moving around every single day and you're tweeting or, you know, posting on Instagram where you're located or sometimes you're there, sometimes you're not like that's it's very difficult to build. You know, you sort of think, oh, well, the great thing is, is that you can always go to new places and mm-hmm. there's always like and that's, you know, that that is a, a small benefit, mm-hmm. but it is such a grind to do that and to move around and to constantly be finding new places um, that after a few years, most trucks either go out of business or they get burned out um, because it's it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And if you really have a you know if you really have a good business idea, brick and mortar is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult. It's super expensive. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So are the vendors uh, is that a sustainable business model? For so at Smorgasburg? Yeah. So can they continue doing? I mean, we pro- we feel like our business model is the most vendor friendly business model mm-hmm. that there is. Like there are tons of other events and concerts and food festivals and things that go on. And mm-hmm. um, you know, there was actually an article written in the LA Times yesterday um, about how all the like food festivals where you pay like $150 or $75, it's all you can eat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the chefs show up that they're actually scams that uh, that make money on the backs of all the restaurants who show up and the chefs, because most of those restaurants are not getting paid for their food. They donate the food for marketing, like the festivals oh. will promise them 
marketing mm-hmm. or or it's for charity or whatever and then they'll mm-hmm. donate a little bit of money to charity but then the festival itself makes the lion's mm-hmm. share of the money or the person running the festival pays themselves a ton of money oh, and wow. that you know and it's this like mm-hmm. it's you know there are a lot of festivals like that for us you know i don't think anybody's getting rich doing smorgasburg mm-hmm. it's still a food business like you're selling food <laughs> and it's once a week it's mm-hmm. not seven days a week um but that being said i think that our business model is super fair and we've created something that we really believe is if you do it right um it is beneficial for the vendors you can not only make money but you can build your brand and you know help it helps you take the next step from you know into like being a brick and mortar business Mm -hmm. and we like firmly believe that and we feel like the number of vendors that that's happened for and the fact that you know so many vendors have been with us for you know one two you know three years is just proof that they're making money and it's good for their business even after they open Mm -hmm. brick and mortar businesses in westwood or you know like sip or Mm -hmm. um you know or some of our other businesses like they still stay at smorgasburg because you know, they make money doing it. Yeah. And uh, so as a general manager, what is the most stressful part about your job? Well, I don't, uh, I don't know. It, <laughs> I mean, for for me, but this is just, you know, if this is the therapy part of the, mm-hmm. the interview. <laughs> uh, for me, it is the most stressful part is running a business where the reason I do this job, the reason I love this job is I love the idea of helping chefs mm-hmm. and small businesses like you know incubate their ideas like and mm-hmm. do their thing and make money um that's the joy i get like i don't make an enormous salary like i'm not you mm-hmm. know uh, uh like um you know there are definitely other and i've been offered other jobs for more money like and but i love this job because i really feel like we're we're helping we're mm-hmm. doing good the problem is, is the restaurant business, you know, is a, is a very difficult business. And, you know, I think there's stats that like 99% of all food businesses fail. So overseeing uh, a group of vendors where statistically speaking, 90 per, nine, 99% of them are going to mm-hmm. fail is very difficult. Like it is like it is stressful and difficult. And I think that our success rate will be better mm-hmm. than that, you know, Um uh, but uh, but it's still, you know, if 50% of them fail, it's upsetting, right? Like, yeah. it's, you know, these are people that I've mm-hmm. met with and talked to and eaten their food and been like, we want you here. We think you can be successful. Mm-hmm. We want you to be successful. And to watch people, you know, struggle or fail mm-hmm. is is very difficult. Yeah, and it's it seems that... Um, from what I've seen, you guys have like a really nice community of, you know, between vendors and the people who go there. Um, and also when I posted on Instagram about the interview yesterday, Jesus commented, make us proud. Then. Yeah, and I, did. <laughs> that was so he, funny, but he it texted, made me he smile. He texted me today and it was like he wanted to make sure that he, that they were going to get mentioned because <laughs> he saw your post. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We, you're mentioned. We love you. <laughs> But yeah, it seems like a really nice environment and supportive. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like Smorgasburg itself is very successful mm-hmm. as a as a business, as mm-hmm. an event, right? 
But within Smorgasburg, there's hundred different vendors all mm -hmm. achieving various levels of failure and success. <laughs> and so, and I can't, it's very difficult for me to like separate like, mm -hmm. you know, personal success and success for our company from the success of this community that we've built. Mm -hmm. And I think that every, there is a community. Like I think that, you know, I think if anything, the vendors at Smorgasburg in a lot of ways, they even are, better friends with each other mm -hmm. than they are with like me and Smorgasburg, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Because like, you know, we, we are the, we're the landlord, you know, mm -hmm. we are the, like we're Smorgasburg, but these vendors, they're in the trenches together. They're doing events, other events together. They're, you know, growing together. They're next to each other. They're, you know, all day mm -hmm. long experiencing the same pain and struggle. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, but I feel, proud that we've like built this mm -hmm. community of people that I think like being together every Sunday. Yeah. For the most part. That sounds that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Um so moving on from your work, um I wanted to talk a little bit about how you view the Los Angeles scene of food. And I'm first off, I'm pretty sure you get this question a lot, but you've also lived in New York. Yeah. So I have to ask which scene would you prefer? Um, you know, for, I mean, I've now been here for 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and Do you still go back to New York a lot? Not, not that often. Mm. Um, and because uh, there's nothing there for me anymore because <laughs> L.A. is the greatest. It is. Um, no, uh, you know, listen, for, for years it was tough. I moved here and, um, you know, it is it's undeniable that the, um, you know, that the, uh, I mean, I say ethnic food, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think Jonathan liked to say traditional food, like, uh, um, you know, there's no better place in the country than LA to experience basically the food of any culture that you want to experience. It is all here. And it's not like here in like whitewashed ways. It's here, like, because we have, you know, so many different communities from around the world represented in LA mm -hmm. in the kind of numbers that can support restaurants doing food for their community and then we benefit. Like mm -hmm. we get to like go into <laughs> Koreatown mm -hmm. and eat at restaurants that were not made for white people. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're made for Korean people who live in Koreatown who are looking for this one specific dish that they had in like the city in Korea that they were from, mm -hmm. like, and we get to benefit from that. And there's nothing like that anywhere else in the U.S. Like, I, you know, even in New York where there are mm -hmm. pockets like that, New York is actually much more of a melting pot than L.A. Um, New York, everybody lives sort of on top of each other and everything gets infused with mm -hmm. each other. And I think food becomes, I mean, whitewash might not be the right word for it, but it becomes, you know, and Jonathan Gold, again, famously said, like, L.A. is not a melting pot. It's mm -hmm. more like a mosaic. <laughs> Each individual neighborhood mm -hmm. is there like in its, you know, pristine form, mm -hmm. like not being affected by the neighborhood next to it. And it can exist in its purest form. So you go out to San Gabriel Valley and you get these like pockets where, you know, there there's this incredible food, like, you know, sometimes even being cooked better than places in its country of origin, you know? Yeah. And so, but when I first moved here, I did feel like, I don't know, I did feel like New York still had better chefs and better, like, mm -hmm. nicer restaurants. And the food scene itself 
was better and more vibrant because the most talented chefs wanted to be in New York mm -hmm. because that's where the best eaters are. Like everybody in New York eats. Yeah. In LA, like, you know, it, I know it's a stereotype and it's certainly not indicative of everybody who lives here, mm -hmm. but the people with money, the people who eat at nice restaurants, because of the industries that exist in LA that, you know, that, that create these, you know, the mm -hmm. people with money, I think people care more about the way they look, like, and they care more about uh, health and wellness and mm -hmm. uh, the way they look because that's part of the entertainment industry and that's the center of, you know, wealth in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Whereas the center of wealth in New York is um, is banking and it's it's lawyers and it's banking and um, half the year it's freezing cold and you're bundled up mm -hmm. and the truth is is like you don't. You don't care if you weigh 10 extra pounds underneath, yeah. you know, underneath all those clothes. Like people are eating more. They're drinking more. Mm -hmm. They don't have to drive. Um, and so restaurants make a lot more money in New York. Now I've gotten to the point where I truly believe L.A. is the best food city in the country. There's hey. nothing in New York that I care about. But mm -hmm. I will say New L.A. still has a long way to go uh, supporting its restaurants financially mm -hmm. because there's a lot of restaurants opening, a lot of fancy restaurants, and they're very expensive. And uh, they deserve to be expensive. It is mm -hmm. expensive to make quality food. And most of these chefs are not getting rich, and they're just trying to m make a decent living mm -hmm. and pay their employees a fair wage. But there are too many of them and not enough people going out and spending a ton of money. And so while I think our restaurants scene is amazing mm -hmm. i still feel like la has a long way to go as a restaurant city that the people who live here supporting that restaurant city with their money spending money um and you know in the ways that like chicago and new york and san francisco do because some of our best restaurants who have gotten accolades mm -hmm. and awards and been written about a million times still struggle to make money, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. The top 10 restaurants in New York and San Francisco, Chicago, have no problem making money hand over fist. Mm -hmm. And here, there's still a struggle because, you know, it's just, it's there just aren't as many people spending a lot of money on fancy food. Yeah, um, that is that is one of the um, biggest struggles. And do you see other struggles in the scene or is that the main and the most important one? Well, that's not, I mean, listen, that's not even, it's not, it's the most important one uh -huh. to high-end chefs, but yeah. that's not, I mean, that is not mm -hmm. the most important problem facing like our city mm -hmm. food-wise. There's obviously, yeah. like, you know, there are far mm -hmm. more, you know, access to access to good food in, in mm -hmm. poor neighborhoods, like access to quality food, healthy food, fruits and vegetables. Like, I mean, there are, you know, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing to even talk about, like, you know, the struggling mm -hmm. Michelin-starred chef, <laughs> like, you know, as an important issue. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, I think that, you know, the media covers the famous chefs so much, right? Mm -hmm. And there's all this hype. And I think people think that, you know, famous chefs in L.A. make so much money. And there's no question that Nancy Silverton has made mm -hmm. a lot of money over her career. And Wolfgang Puck obviously makes a ton of money. But, um but there are, you know, there are tons of other, you know, chefs running restaurants that it is, it's, it is a struggle for sure. Yeah, and not just for high-end chefs as well. Um, when we were talking with 
Evan Kleiman, she had a restaurant, Angele, um, yeah. and it it ran for like I think twenty twenty eight years, and she had to shut it down because of rent issues, yeah. and which I think she's still, if I'm not wrong, paying the money for it. Yeah, and it's it, uh yeah, that is that is true. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's it, yeah, it's it's difficult because they're also um, mid and restaurants and they're also struggling like the high-end restaurants and if we have more high-end restaurants and then we also have street food like they are the ones that kind of get you know in the middle of everything and and you're competing with you're competing with like a fast food culture Mm -hmm. that you know has enabled these gigantic businesses to sell food at just i mean if you can even call it food like sell you know sustenance to people (laughs) Uh, for these unbelievably low prices that don't mm-hmm. really reflect, um, you know, that don't really, ref- I mean, it, they do reflect the quality of the food, but like that, you know, that m- that most like small businesses can't afford to do. Like sm- there's no small business that can afford to sell, you know, a hamburger and fries and a soda for $3, mm-hmm. you know, or $4. Like, and it's very difficult, you know, when you're up against these, you know, bigger companies that mm-hmm. um, have these efficiencies and uh, they have, you know, corporate welfare and things that enable them to sell food at these incredibly deflated prices. And then people get used to paying these cheap prices, you know, and then they want, you know, and then they demand for things to be cheap. And it's not easy to make things cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually is, is you know, not good to have things that cheap and then the the small businesses you know and mid-sized restaurants suffer because they're it's not a fair playing field you know mm-hmm. and so the consumer has a lot to you know has a lot can sh- shoulder some of the blame as yeah. well we should be you know paying more for our food um if we want you know if we want mm-hmm food to be of quality and we want to support our communities like we should be paying more money to people who cook and serve us the stuff that keeps us alive on a daily basis mm-hmm. yeah um so we're almost out of time so i have a couple more questions that i want to ask you first of them being what are your some of your favorite spots in los angeles oh I that's that <laughs> question's too hard i this is I could probably go into therapy for that also. <laughs> I need like, you know, I need to know neighborhood, what kind of food you're in the oh. mood for, like, you know, who you're going with. Like, I need, I, I can't, it's too uh, hard for me to just be like. Okay, so this is, my <laughs> this, is, this is what I usually think when I think of my favorite restaurants. You're away from Los Angeles for three months. When you get back, oh, what's yeah. the first thing you would eat? Oh, uh, what is the, gosh. I mean, I don't know. Tacos seems like the seems like the the right yeah. answer, but you know, I guess it. But it depends on where I was, you know, like because <laughs> it depends on what I was eating. That's true. Um, I don't know. This is, these questions are too hard. I really should be better <laughs> at this. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. That's that's a valid <laughs> that's a valid response. It means that. We have a lot of amazing options here. It is true. That is true. Um, yeah. And to close off our interview, um, what is, um, I would say, one 
a piece of you know wisdom some guidance or like um or anything you want to say to people who want to work in the food industry especially students um i mean it is uh i mean i think you know i probably already said it earlier like it is it is a labor of love it's not a great way to get rich mm-hmm. um it is but it is very fulfilling you know if you if you love i feel like it is it's such an honest it's such an honest living like in a time when there are a lot of livings that don't feel honest like you mm-hmm. know you're you're you know i part of why i you know love doing smorgasburg again is before you know i was i was freelance writing which is very difficult to make a living doing i was podcasting which is even worse radio <laughs> is a is a mm-hmm. dying industry and <laughs> podcasting is is a burgeoning industry but it is still very difficult to make mm-hmm. money um and part of it is that you're you're basically you're doing this thing and you're trying to convince advertisers that a certain number of people listen and then mm-hmm. they give you money but you know based on this like metric of like whether or not people are listening and then whether people go and buy their product and enter mm-hmm. some sort of promo code and like <laughs> you know it's just you know crazy and mm-hmm. so after doing that for all these years or you know or I didn't even mention Instagram influencing mm-hmm. and all that nonsense and like people getting paid to like you know go on social media and like say their opinions of stuff or try different products and you're just like you know yes there's money right now but is that Mm -hmm. sustainable like is that you know um and you know whereas smorgasburg uh, people come and they give somebody money and then they get some food in return (laughs) and they eat it that to me is you know Mm -hmm. and that you know that is the best part of the for me the food industry like it's making people happy, giving them something that they need or want, um, you know, and getting money in return. And, uh, you know, if that appeals to you, like, then, um, and you love, like, working really hard, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, a fun place to be. Well, thank you. And thank you for coming to our um, lovely station today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was really, it was a nice chat. Um, and with that, we'll be closing our, off our show today. I'm Belize, and you were listening to The Menu on UCLAradio.com. We're here every week, Tuesday, 11 a.m. I'll see you guys next week.